0: All right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My name is Tyler Fornis. We have Deshaun Vaughn back from his heroic excursion into finals. And we have producer Dave. I am on the tail end of COVID-19. I am feeling pretty good. Not quite beer ready yet, but I have my body armor ready to give me some electrolytes. But we do have a fantastic new sponsor, which we will tell you about right as soon as Dave rolls the intro footage. We're going to talk Combine. We're going to talk what it means moving forward. The big talkers coming from the event and we're going to really try to squeeze in a mock draft after failing the previous season. Stick around, we're going to have ourselves a good time tonight.
1: Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice?
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is Mock Draft Monday ladies and gentlemen I am your host Tyler Fornes with me is my co-host Deshaun Vaughn and producer Dave in his beautiful little man cave down in Texas. Gentlemen how are we feeling today?
2: Oh we feel great had some beautiful weather in Maryland didn't really get to enjoy it but it was nice to walk outside and not be rained or snowed on or be freezing cold it's a nice little change.
0: (laughs) Oh absolutely Dave how are you?
1: I'm doing okay. We had some beautiful weather yesterday, and then a cold front moved through last night. But, hey, that's life. Stuff happens, you live with it, and when you get older, you feel it even more. So, until then, let's talk about what happened last week in Indianapolis.
0: Absolutely. Unfortunately, due to my COVID-19, I guess, this is kind of fortunate. I was able to watch the whole thing. I watched the entire coverage on the NFL Network start to finish. And let me tell you, at a certain point, you get real, real, real sick of watching guys run around in Under Armour. It's... (laughs) it's, (laughs) There's a lot of information that you can gather. And it was really nice that I had the the luxury of being able to kind of watch because... I know um, my colleagues from NBC Sports Edge, Thor Eystrom and uh, Eric Froton were down there and they were gathering information and they were talking to players, talking to media, talking to personnel from teams. And they did a tremendous job. If you have an opportunity to go follow them, they have a lot of their work on their timeline. You will learn a lot here from them as you will from us here tonight. But being able to watch from home and be able to see how these guys are performing in the drills and how they react to their performance. and really get some analysis from Daniel Jeremiah, who, for my money, is one of the two smartest people when it comes to the NFL draft in the entire world, with the other one being Dave Brugler of The Athletic. Hearing his commentary was tremendous. And Rich Eisen is just fun. He's fun. Um, and it was just a tremendous broadcast. Gentlemen, did you get to watch much of it at all here this week? No,
2: I think I... Uh... I just watched kind of the the recaps, some of the drills. I didn't get to watch the whole thing. I just really just trying to keep an eye out for some of the guys to where I think like eth- athletic testing like mattered a bit because there's some guys where like tape mm-hmm. is tape and you don't really care what they test. There's some guys where athletic testing will actually make a difference, and I felt like that's like some of the guys mm-hmm. I was kind of keeping an eye out for.
1: Oh, and uh, I didn't catch all of it. I caught bits and pieces. My favorite part, mm-hmm. of course, was Malik Willis. But I also like some of those defensive ends or edge guys. And uh, looking at their split speeds in that first Everybody with
2: them. They were flying flying this week. Flying. Yeah, offense and defense. Mm -hmm. Big guys just flying this year.
1: There were some defensive guys that ran faster than some running backs.
0: Mm hmm. That's yeah, amazing. Uh, running backs, running backs overall didn't have the greatest, um, showing here at the combine. Obviously you have Brees Hall who ran like an alien, um, really gave off like Jonathan Taylor vibes as far as what his workout was a couple years ago. Um, uh, I didn't think that as far as like from, from a size perspective, we were going to see anything like him or even going as far back as Adrian Peterson. I didn't think we were going to necessarily see that again here moving forward. Just because of how impressive some of those numbers were—forty-inch vertical, four-three-six in the forty—just gnarly good numbers. Stuff that if you were to build a guy on on a creative player on Madden, that's what you would give him. And just really, really good stuff for the uh, for the young man and his potential in the league is going to be interesting. Kenneth Walker had a banner day as well. Five-nine, over two hundred pounds, and he ran a four-three-nine forty really showing that at the speed that you saw on tape wasn't necessarily a mirage, and he has the size to really be able to handle a full workload in the NFL, both of which really, really nice to see. But let's kind of uh, divert. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to Malik Willis today because Malik I Willis probably don't. had the best week of anybody there. Um, Nick, we're going to talk about that kind of stuff here later um, because I would love a wide receiver at 12 and out.
1: Well, speaking of, speak of wide receiver, wide. there's that kid from S U. That really helped his draft stock with his full well, and his then. jumps and everything else.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start with Christian Watson. Christian Watson, and I, I was saying it a couple weeks ago, if he had an Ohio State helmet, he'd be a guaranteed top 20 pick because of what they do at North Dakota State. If you don't know their offense, they're a humongous rushing team. They run multiple concepts, inside-outside zone, man-gap power. They do a lot of counters pulling of guards and tackles consistently. They run anything and everything up there. And then they do a lot of shot plays with their receivers. Well, even when they had Trey Lance, they didn't necessarily throw a ton. He threw for less than 3,000 yards and 28 touchdowns in his one season as a starter. That's just not who they are. They're a phenomenal running team. So Watson really didn't get a huge chance to shine. But when he did, he compared himself to Debo Samuel in interviews. Uh, The way he was used, the skills that he possesses. And they were giving him at 6'4", 210 pounds, handoffs in the backfield. This guy can do everything. He can sink into his routes with his hips. He can get jump balls. He can outrun everybody on the field. If Watson played at a program that really prioritized receiver play and throwing the football, he'd be a top 20 pick guaranteed. Uh, Big thing for him, getting on the field early and often, he's a tremendous run blocker. So you're going to feel comfortable having him as a wide receiver too early on, even if he's still a little bit raw with the receiving elements of the game, because he can block. He's not only good at it, he's a huge effort guy with blocking too. He was sealing edges at the senior bowl consistently. Like That's the kind of talent this kid has. Very, very impressed with what he brings to the table. And if he's available at 46, I would jump on it. I wouldn't even care if he took a wide receiver at 12 that that's the kind of guy you want on your football team. Wow.
1: That's something.
2: Who else? Somebody that kind of, so someone that kind of jumped off the page of me, kind of a relatively unknown guy, uh, Amari Barno, uh, the kind of unknown edge who I thought was a linebacker, converted linebacker who ran like a four, three, six, which I think was like the fastest at the position since like, like, 2003, or something insane like that. So, I love when you see when you're at the comp, when you're watching the combine, you see like this guy just have insane testing, and it makes you go back and just watch, watch tape and see what he can do. So, I think the last time we saw something like that, I want to say it was like Chase Claypool when we saw him come to the, the combine, had insane testing, and made everybody go watch to see what he was about. So, Amari Bono, 6'6, tremendous, just tremendous length, but he's like a wire frame. But, for a three he, he reminded me a little bit of like Hassan Reddick when he came out. He I think Hassan Reddick was like 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, he was wiry, he didn't have a lot of weight to him, but ended up being a great player. So I think this player, Mario Bono, is like a third or a fourth round pick, maybe a late round gem that you can take into a three-four defense, a three-four outside linebacker, and do some stuff with him. I was really impressed with the way he was able to move sideline to sideline and the way he was able to have some kind of bend. To his game, despite being six six and super long, so that was one one of the guys that really kind of stood out to me a little bit mm-hmm. from the combine.
1: got to remember, we're going to borrow a really combination of defense, not just three four, but also a little mm-hmm. bit of four three.
2: Oh yeah, he could do. He could do yeah, it. Yeah. All. He can. I don't. No. 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 I don't want to say he could do it all because obviously raw. He's a raw prospect, but he has the potential. To do multiple things throughout the entire defense, where if we are running a hybrid defense, I think he can fit in. play maybe four hundred snaps his first year.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, uh, Barno, uh, I kind of want to dive
0: into this really quick because it's really important when talking about the combine. Barno had a great workout, but his film is not that great. And when you when you really see a great it's workout, and it's the not time, a lot of it Korea, isn't that great. No, there isn't. And when you combine the two together, it's like okay. I see the film, it's not very good, but then I see this testing, and it's superb. How do you parse that out? Well, you go back and you you look at the film with that new information and try and look at it with a fresh lens and see, okay, how can I see this as a projection? How can I see this as I can develop this guy because I saw this, this, and this, and now I'm really seeing those little nuances on tape to make me think, okay, I can take care of it. That's why the combine and athletic testing is about twenty five percent of the puzzle, because you can learn a lot about things that you can't necessarily gauge from tape consistently. I mean, Kyle Hamilton is an absolute like alien in the back end of a secondary, and he ran a four six. Like it doesn't really matter that he ran a four six because everything else is there. He has the explosion, he has the ten yard split. He just doesn't have that great straight line speed, which you don't really need. It's great but he's not a track guy like on the field. He just plays really fast. And being able to parse those things out, I think is incredibly important, which is why athletic testing is meaningful, but you can't use it as the end all be all. And we can translate that right into running back Kyron Williams from Notre Dame, who had one of the worst combine performances of recent memory. Uh, his relative athletic scores at a, about a 17th percentile. Um, he ran like an eighth percentile 40 for his, at his size at four, seven, two, uh, five, nine, like h- 200 pounds. That he wasn't ever a fast guy. He just needed to run a four, six and test decent athletically because he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. He can be a true three down back because he's a great pass protector, great at running routes, catching the football. But with that kind of athletic testing, it's like, oh, are we going to be Combine able to trust this guy in the NFL in the open field?
1: And that'll drive mm-hmm. him down.
0: It's worrisome. It's very worrisome when you see that kind of athletic testing with a guy you had athletic questions about. It's, it's a scary proposition to really want to invest high capital in Kyron Williams now because it's, it was a fast track. Like There were records set across the board for position groups. Overall, Like average 40 time was the fastest ever at the Combine. This is the first year they've got to use that new surface. Everybody said it was a really, really fast track. Well, if it's a fast track and you're running slow on it, it raises even more questions.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep, exactly.
0: And we know that... What happens when you go to Soldier Field and run on the slowest track in the league? Right. You're going to be even slower. It's going to be like you have cement blocks on your feet.
1: Well, and we know in the past there have been some physical freaks that tested great at the Combine, but just never made the step into the NFL where they succeeded. You've got to look at both... Not only the physical testing, but the film. Are they coachable? If you see stuff that they you think you can fix, and uh, or you know raise that bar. If not, drop them down the the draft board. And anything. There's a bunch of guys that you know enter the draft that don't get drafted at all. So, mm-hmm. and evaluating who hits and who doesn't. That's why some of those folks get paid some good money for that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It really is. Deshaun, who, yeah, who is the one that person I... that really disappointed
2: you? Oh, disappointed, disappointed. I you know, I don't think – I'm not sure if I've seen anybody that really, really disappointed me too much. I was I – I will say I was hoping um, uh, Rocket would run a little faster than what he did, I think Ruckett ended up running like a four eight seven or like a four eight five or something like that. The tight end from Ohio State, I was hoping mm-hmm. he would run a bit faster, but he didn't. But honestly, I don't really think that's his game. Like I was just kind of hoping. Um, I think mostly for guys that I was looking out for, oh Brandon Smith too. I was hoping he would run a little faster. I, I mean, on his tape, this guy's like electric, so I thought he would run like a four four, maybe something crazy. But I think he ended up running like a a late four five, maybe like a four five, which is still fast. But I thought I would see, like, some extra, like, electric, like, testing coming out of him. We didn't really see that. But some guys, uh, Leo Chanel from his content, his four five, I think it was four five two, really surprised me. Because mm-hmm. I did not expect him to be that kind of athlete, like, at all. So, like, that's really, that was really, really good for him. I, I had him as, like, a, a thumper in the middle, like, a run defender. I thought maybe he might struggle a little bit in coverage, but... If he can move side on the sideline, can, he can have some of that speed, maybe convert that into some agility. Like he can have a chance to be a really good linebacker. I had Chad a Muma. Chad Muma, I had above him, but just given that athletic testing, you might have to go back and revisit and kind of redo those rankings.
0: Yeah, Chanel's an also, interesting guy. Boy, I, hey, thought was gonna be, I
2: thought, thought Chanel was going like, to be like a <laughs> – just let like, y'all you know that's the man. Boyama, uh, I just thought I should put his name out there. That's the, that's the man right there. <laughs>
0: oh, we'll talk about Mafe here in a second. I love Mafe, and my predictions came true on him. Um, Chanel, I thought it was going to be a Dante Hightower, where he was going to really be a phenomenal in-the-box guy and a real versatile chess piece for a defense. But even though the athletic testing was great, and I applaud him for that, I did not necessarily see all that coming. He's still really stiff in the hips, and that worries me long-term with his projection on as a true three-down guy unless you want to transition him into a pass rusher, which he did have a lot of success at having a grade of over, I think it was 89-9 this past year at Wisconsin as a pass rusher. Just awesome stuff. He led the team in sacks at eight, had, I think, 45 pressures. The guy can rush the passer, and he's a great and effective blitzer too. So you kind of encompass all that. He could go late first, probably a second-round type player just because of the limitation in pass coverage and how little that people truly value that on-ball linebacker. Uh, in comparison to the, the off-ball and how today's game is trending. But we brought uh, Mafia was brought up by Deshaun. Let me tell you, I thought Boya Mafia was going to test like Daniil Hunter, and he he did. He ran faster than Daniil Hunter. He jumped higher than Daniil Hunter, and he was short on the broad jump just a little bit. The, the 10-yard split was just a shade slower than Hunter as well. Boya Mafia is an ascending player, and he's an absolute athletic freak. Um, you can play him standing up. You can play him with his hand in the dirt in 330 total snaps this past year. And I, it was about 160 pass rushing snaps, 40 pressures and six sacks. And that isn't necessarily have to do with the fact that Mafe is bad. Um, Mafe is really good, but Minnesota just likes to rotate out their defensive lineman. He's going to be a stud for whoever takes him here, uh, this next year moving forward.
1: Well, they love to rotate their defensive linemen. We don't know that about the new regime yet.
2: No, the University of Minnesota. Oh, gotcha uh Bonito and Walker, I think they tested better than what I thought they were this I think this defensive line class in, in its entirety was a lot more athletic than I thought it would be. I knew your class was deep, but i thought i I thought it was a little bit more variety, but I, a lot of guys tested a lot better than I thought they were. I mean, I knew, like, Ojabo was super athletic. I knew the top guys were, like, super athletic. But some of these mid-round guys, um, every, excluding Maje Sanders, <laughs> all tested pretty well, better than what I thought. Does that affect oh.
1: their draft status much when you consider that you still have the same finite number of players that are going into the draft?
2: Mm-hmm. So I think what happens now is that so I, I tweeted out, I said, "This is a really good year to have great coaches, because like all like no matter where you're picking this top 75, you're getting like an athlete at some position who may or may not be raw, but the physical attributes are there, and if you have great coaches, you're going to get a good player. I think that is especially true for the defensive line class. I think what we're going to see is that, like, we're going to see a couple go off. We're going to see the QBs go for a run because they're all going to maybe drop to, like, the teams or whatever. But then I think you're going to see an edge rusher after edge rusher after edge rusher in, like, that 20 to, like, 40 range. So, that's, so I think you're really going to see these guys go off the board, like, one after another. Um, I think there's – I think Daniel Jeremiah had tweeted it out. I think he said he had, like, eight or nine of them in his top, what, like, 75 or something like that. And I think like those, 50. all those guys will be gone. <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I think all those guys will be gone by like mid second round. And it's insane.
0: Yeah, and the worst of that group is Kingsley Barre, who tested absolutely atrocious uh, this past week, which is really disappointing. Very good football player, high motor, showed some athleticism on tape, but then he just tested just the, he ran a four, five, he ran a five flat. Like wow, you're an edge rusher who weighs two hundred fifty eight pounds you can't run a four or sorry, a five flat. You just can't do that.
1: Not unless you're, you know, you've the whole thing about an edge rusher is how that first 10 split. How quickly can you get there? Um, but
0: the 10 split is, wasn't good either. That's bad.
1: Well, now what's good about those players that did not do well say, Hey, they had a cold starting to get the flu, whatever. Uh, they have their pro days, To make up for that and hopefully they do that if they want to get their draft stock back to where it should be same with Mm -hmm. guys that declined to do certain tests during the the combine
0: we had a lot of those um there were players that were complaining about the schedules a lot of guys didn't bench a lot of guys didn't do short short, shown on three cone because they kind of combined everything onto one day instead of splitting it up so you're going to see a lot more stuff come out of Pro Days, uh just like we have in the past couple of years because of COVID nineteen, um, and it's going to make things a little bit challenging.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you wanted to go over a whole list of players, starting with Eds Jermaine Johnson.
0: No, oh, I uh, um, I just I wanted to show you this this chart uh, mainly because it's just kind of who the who pundits have been picking for the Minnesota Vikings um, over the past uh, over the past month? Because I've been tracking it every single week, um, and Jermaine Johnson's one of those guys. Um, he is one of uh, four players so far that I've tracked that has only been selected one time. Him, Tyler Linderbaum, Malik Willis, and Trevon Walker have all been selected one time by national pundits. Um, the the big theme here has been cornerback. Um, Derek Stingley Jr. has been selected a record so far, six times by pundits across the board. Trent McDuffie has been selected four times. Um, Sauce Gardner has been selected three. Uh, George Karloftis, the edge rusher, has also been selected three times. Um, We're looking at uh, a really good uh, group of players um, in this class. Ah, I see what you're doing, Dave. Okay. Um, you but what, as kind of, what am I doing yes they do <laughs> you're messing with my spreadsheet is what you're doing yes I um, am as Dave, <laughs> as Dave uh, kind of uh, tweaks with that I think uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Jordan Davis and I think we have to talk about Jordan Davis as a possible option for the Minnesota Vikings and it's a complicated one because the man is 6'6", 341 pounds he tested athletically as the second most athletic player per the relative athletic score composite of all time, and the, the, that data is dating back to 1987 when the first combine was held at the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. That's a big deal. He ran a 4 7, 8 40 with a one 6, 8, 10 yard split. He ran a hundredth of a second slower than his teammate Devontae Wyatt, who weighs 50 pounds less than him. He ran almost as fast as Kyron Williams, and Williams weighs 150 pounds less than him. This is a an absolute alien. He jumped at that weight, thirty three inches in the vertical, ten feet three inches in the broad, and he moves lightning fast. Like think peak Vince Wilfork back in the day with the New England Patriots, but better. And that this guy has that kind of potential, absolute game wrecker on first and second down. The only real question that he has with his game is can he develop a pass rush? It, he only gets one pressure about every twenty nine pass rush snaps so far, and he had had three sacks, just not something that you can really project forward right now, but if he ever develops a pass rush, this guy's going to be an absolute game-wrecker. And with how defenses are trending, having an elite two-gapping tackle really provides freedom for your defense on the back end and gives your linebackers, who are more athletic than ever, the ability to shoot those gaps fast, quick, and be even more effective. Um, Davis could potentially go top 10 now. There were questions if he would even go in the first round before the combine, but every question you had about his athleticism was answered, and now it's just about can you project him as a pass rusher. Um, Deshaun, what are you you thinking about Jordan Davis? Because it's a very interesting one uh, when you start talking to people across the board.
2: I feel like whenever you can compare a player to Vita Vea, you just take him. I mean, it's just it's as simple as that. Like, whenever like somebody comes close to being being via Veda, like I don't think people realize like how dominant of a player that when he's on the field. Obviously, he has like some injury stuff, but when via Veda is on the field, he like he's like the Buccaneers' like best defensive player. And that man is like an absolute like wrecking ball. So whenever a player comes close athletically, physically to via, Veda, ah, dude, you just take him. Like, there's there's no way to argue that that pick. Like, that's a good pick. Like when you have guys like this come around, you take them and you teach them how to pass rush. And if you can't teach them how to pass rush, you get fired and hire someone who does teach them how to pass mm-hmm. rush. Just, just, you can't, can't waste the talent like that.
1: All right. What uh, Tyler was complaining about, I was hiding some columns, but there is Tyler's spreadsheet right there. So you can see everybody that he was highlighted from. Jermaine Johnson, Tyler Lindebaum, Derek Stingley Jr. George Karlaftis, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Boost, Sauce Gardner, which is Akem. Ahmed uh, Ahmed. I think it's Ahmed Gardner. Ahmed. Ahmed, yeah. Ahmed Sauce Gardner. And Bleak Willis and Trayvon Walker. Just to know what I was doing over there. Giving Tyler a heart attack because I was hiding columns. <laughs> You're muted. Try again. All Tyler. Right.
0: There you go. There, there we go. We're and we're back. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I have to cough because you know COVID still. So, um, yeah. It, that sheet is uh, something I, I've been using to track um, as I do the mock draft roundups for the Vikings Wire, which I'll have a new one coming out this week. Um, and that this chart it has been updated to include that. So Derek Stingley Jr. is the most popular choice so far with pundits, which really shouldn't be that big of a surprise because of his talent. But his talent is also worrisome because he hasn't shown that high ceiling since 2019. He's had a... Really rough go as far as injuries. A couple foot injuries, a hamstring, and he had a Liz Frank surgery uh, in November. And Liz Franks have been known to kind of linger for years and years. So I'll be honest, I'm a little worried about Derek Singley Jr. I don't know what I'm getting with him. I don't know if he's ever going to stay completely healthy. A Liz Frank injury ended San Antonio Holmes' career at the age of 28. And he was a fringe all-pro receiver for the Steelers and the Jets. Like, it's, it's not nothing.
2: Um, they can come back. So well, we've got a medical it, it, expert it,
1: right here, Deshaun. What's a Liz Frank injury?
2: Oh, I'm not an orthopedic specialist, man. You ever <laughs> Google, man? I don't know <laughs> what that is. <laughs> it's a you, if
0: you die. It's gotta... a broken <laughs> foot.
1: Go ahead, yeah, It's, it's um,
0: a it's a special. It's it's a broken bone <laughs> in the middle of your foot that mm-hmm. to kind of put. Uh,
1: my daughter put it stepped in a wrong, entrance, I guess. Um, she was into gymnastics and she stepped wrong. And where a tendon came across, say this is your foot, came across the middle, it ripped up a chunk of bone and snapped it right off. Um, and she had to deal with that. They had to go in and put it back in place. She had to be in a walking boot forever. It was and. It's not a pleasant injury whatsoever. Um, and it, it's got to heal right. And whether you can mm-hmm. do that, whether you have good medical folks that work with that, is going to be important. Yes.
2: Isn't, isn't this what Derrick Henry as had, the Vikings had, saw he today. had? He had a back a couple months later, the same season?
1: Or was it... Yeah, was it it must have been a less
2: severe first. I'm pretty sure that's what Derek Henry had. Mm -hmm. but it's,
0: you can come back from it relatively quick, but that doesn't mean you're nearly as effective. And for me, that's the worrisome part, especially with the fact that he's never regained that 2019 form. Um, I remember when, uh, Jake Browning, um, former Viking practice squad, great, uh, was the freshman quarterback at Washington, uh, in 2016, he had his best year. He hurt his shoulder. He never got better from that point on. Um, and when you see a case study like that, an injury just kind of sends that kind of spiral. Derek Stingley has not come close to performing what he did in 2019. If you would have been drafted in 2019, he'd probably go second overall after Joe Burrow. Like, that's how good that tape was. You're talking like Revis Island kind of stuff. And now like, you just you just don't know. And with how what the talent's going to be at pick 12, is Quasey going to really want to take that chance? Because mm-hmm. if you hit, you get a Daryl Reeves, Jalen Ramsey. If you miss, you, it's a it's a huge risk. So that it's going to be a tough conundrum. Um, Deshaun, before we kind of move on, because we need to get to a mock draft for the people here this week. Anybody else you really want to talk about that stood out to you at the combine? Any running backs? <sighs> Bill Bob Bob
1: Gardner talked <laughs> about three running backs under contract. Actually, there's <clears> four. Bill. Five, if you include CJ Ham, um, that are under
0: contract. six, if you include Calan Mond.
1: <laughs> um, but <laughs> oh, was there any running backs that stood out? That was the one spot that mm. I didn't see anything
2: outstanding. No, nah, yeah, not didn't, didn't, even I didn't with Cook's you know, little brother. That was
0: this uh, time around. There, there was one right. guy, one guy that really stood out to me, and he's he's going to be a late round guy. His name is Pierre Strong Jr., South Dakota State. Uh, When I watched him uh, throughout the course of the year, he dominated Colorado State in week one, really uh, pulverizing that Rams uh, defense. But he also outran everybody in the FCS, and I wasn't quite sure how good that speed was. I knew his vision was good. He had the ability to break off and bounce off tacklers. But does he have a dominant athletic trait? I wasn't 100% sure. And the guy in his career averaged 7.3 yards a carry. His freshman year, he averaged 9.3 on 116 carries. He had two other seasons over seven. And the only season where he was under seven was at 5.3, and that was the COVID-shortened spring season um, earlier this year. Like, this guy can play football. And I I related him to what Elijah Mitchell's rookie year was this past year, that you're going to take him late in the draft. He's going to come in. He's going to be a stalwart guy. And then pure strong just came in and casually ran a four, three, seven.
2: <laughs>
0: he can casually. scoot at five, at five eleven, like 209 pounds. The guy is a tank. And I think that's a guy that if you want to take a shot on in round six, he could come in and get you a thousand yards right away.
1: Well, I think we're okay oh, with Kair Elam. <clears throat> that was,
2: that was, yeah, the guy I love I was Elam. impressed with Kair Elam. I thought he was like the bigger cornerback that I thought would probably like have a hard time dealing with long speed and I think he came in and ran a 439 which was that's impressive. I like that. I think he I had him as a second round corner. I think he may go late first now. So I that's the guy that I was uh, impressed with. One of the guys that see, at, personally in my opinion if Cousins stays around I'm not a fan of picking at 12. So he was one of those trade targets that that I kind of liked and I really like him now that uh, he kind of answered a little bit of questions with the speed. Cool.
0: Elam it really got overlooked um, over the course of the process because of the evolution of uh, Sauce Gardner, Stingley, and Andrew Booth Jr. But he's not on that same lawn. You're going to get value with him. But we're going to get to that mock draft here in a second. But, Dave, I think it's well, we have to take a moment to talk about, about our to say, sponsor.
1: Have you seen – where is it? Right there, our new logo up
0: there. Lake Monster Brewing. They are, they are located in St. Paul. Uh, you, can, you can get their beer on site and in liquor stores throughout the Twin Cities. Uh, they, they do a really nice job of uh, taking classic beer styles and putting their own subtle twist on it. Um, they, they go from really that unique esoteric approach to really being approachable. And they do, they do a great job of really drawing out flavors to um, make it really, a really unique and delicious experience for beer fans. And that's really what you want out of a craft beer. Um, we will be there uh, for night two of the draft, Friday, April 29th, at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. We will be there live. We're going to have giveaways. It's going to be great beer. You're going to get me talking a lot at draft probably probably yelling at Matt for saying something to me. I don't know. We're going to have a good time. Dave is going to be having a blast producing from the truck, yelling mm-hmm. at us for being idiots. If you watched any of our draft coverage last year, you know how passionate this, this site is and how much fun we have. And we are going to have a really good time at Lake Monster. Give them a shout out. I am working at bringing them in at my own liquor store, Top 10 Liquors in Osseo. So if you ever want to stop by and get some really good beer, I have a fantastic selection. We're going to be adding Lake Monster to that. It's going to be a really good time. And they've already been a fantastic partner for us. And it's only been five days. So make sure you give them a shout if you are in Minnesota. Sean, you'll just have to come visit, go to a game, and then we can make sure we get you some delicious Lake Monster Brewing. Beer. Someone mail me a box. Gentlemen, some
2: product placement. <laughs>
0: well, uh, I believe the brewer has to do that. So talk to Matt, and we'll see what we can do. Same with you, Dave. All right. Well, trust me, so, I've already talked. Dave, to let's. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I know you have. Let's fire up that mock draft machine, boys. We are going to have some fun here tonight. Um, we're finally going to be able to do that mock draft that we. That haven't been able to do for the last couple of weeks. Just last week, Dave and I spent the whole time talking combine prospects, guys mm-hmm. to really watch out for, and we ran out of time. We had to cut those prospects short because we were just mm-hmm. so fired up talking about it. And I know you guys had a lot of great conversation the week prior mm-hmm. while I was attending a wedding in Colorado, um, uh, which, Dave, I don't know if I told you I that. I read that, getting sucked. drunk.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I, 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 I only got kind of drunk once. Uh, like, the elevation was awful. Just awful. Um, well, it speeds back, up that but, process, too. it was too. beautiful. <laughs> oh, it was beautiful. I'll say that much. Um, let's fire it up. We're going to have some All fun. All right. We're um, going use simulators.
1: We're going to draft for the Vikings tonight.
0: Well, let's hope so. Um, something to know I with these we simulators, ravening. guys. They update How many rounds? every just three they update every week with uh prospect rankings and just um general information that they receive throughout the league so they're constantly upgrading these things upgrading these simulators to try and be as accurate as possible um you're still going to find inaccuracies you're going to find stuff that happens that's a little bit crazy but you just kind of have to roll with the punches on it because it's it's a human element It, it just is what it is but we're kind of taking a look. Unfortunately, our boy Malik Willis is gone.
1: We yes, I the see best that. Week
0: I think I've ever seen at a combine. Not what? only did he, he interview great, not only did he throw really well, somebody caught him just showing the tremendous character that he has with when he thought nobody was watching, he was helping a homeless guy on the street. Right. Like, that, that's the man you want to bring home, Mom. That's that's, that's leadership,
1: and supposedly everybody likes him. Yes. And that's why I'm so high on him. If he's available when we draft, I think we should s- select him. We've got to find that quarterback sometime. I figure we got a two-year window to build this team under the new regime. Hey, Jonas. And... It could be this year, next year. We got to find that quarterback, and if Malik Willis is available, I'd take him. But that's Dave, just Dave. Yep. And you know hey,
0: I Tyler love Rob Bell. So. <laughs> I thought Kenny Pickett uh, had a pretty of, nice week
2: too, but that's just me.
0: Hey, we're, Pickett improved hey, his. Kenny, style. Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett, that he was a <laughs> decent athlete. He didn't show that's me anything guy. else, but ooh. I, I mean, I, I think we all know my thoughts on Kenny Pickett. He's We all know your thoughts. We won't fight (laughs) about it today, but we'll find a time to really have that discussion again. Um, Let's kind of take a look at the board. We've got Sauce Gardner, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Booth Jr., (laughs) all available at cornerback. Your top edge rushers, Jermaine Johnson, David Ojabo. Um, Let me take a look-see. Those are your two best edge rushers. Garrett Wilson's available if we want to go the wide receiver route, which I said I would talk about here. Jordan Davis is available as well. So let's talk wide receivers. You need to have three in this league. You need to have three bona fide guys. Adam Thielen, you don't know how much you're going to be able to trust him moving forward. Uh, he's dealt with some really lingering injuries the past few years. He's got a big cap hit. Is the, This is a time where the Vikings may choose to move on from Adam Thielen. Try and get a third-round pick back for him because his value may never be higher than it is right now. So you also need to prepare for the future. We have saw some good things from Amir Smith-Marset. We saw some good things consistently from KJ Osborne. Is Osborne a two? I don't know. Is ISM a three? I don't know. These are questions that have yet to be answered, either yes or no. And you can project them out to be whatever, and we do that all the time. We're going to be spending a lot of the offseason really talking about those kind of projections. But when you have a guy like Garrett Wilson on the board, a Drake London, or my favorite wide receiver in this in this top group, Chris Olave, I think that you really need to think about receiver here at 12 because of what this offense asks you to do, running three wide all the time, that um trying to surround your quarterback with as many weapons as possible, especially with Kirk likely not being the long-term answer at the position and this is where the league is going. So adding a top top, uh, flight receiver to pair opposite uh, Justin Jefferson, especially when you're going to have to pay him this year and you're going to have to give him the big bucks, could be a really smart move for the long-term future of this team, even though it's not necessarily the biggest need in the world. Deshaun, when it comes to wide receiver, where do you sit on taking one at, at this point in the draft?
2: So just because of the success of wide receivers in their first years recently. If it's not like an immediate need, I would not take them at 12. Now, that being said, I do think uh, you raised a valid point when saying, but going free wide all the time, you need probably about five receivers you can trust, and the Vikings don't have that. As of right now, you have two receivers that you trust. Thielen has an injury history. Osborne, you kind of trust them. You don't know either the two, so that leaves two question marks. So I think I do believe that wide receiver is a need, but if you're not looking for your number one guy this season, I would not take them at 12.
1: Believe it or not, I concur with Deshaun. He is correct on this.
2: But <clears throat> I they? will say yes. hey, there's been a lot of – like-
1: They could build up the offense first right. Does- and forego defensive building. But
2: I – we don't know. This draft has a ton of speed at wide receiver, so late a late round pick here, I, a late round pick in this draft. Pair them with Keenan and McCardo, and I think you get some solid results. Might not be the number two guy that you're really looking for, but I think you're you'll still get like a solid player, maybe in round three or four. If you if we like trade back and get a four round pick,
1: and you're still on mute. But while you're figuring out the mute button,
0: um... uh, you know what, Dave? <laughs> I'm, I've had enough of you. <laughs> All right, I still have <laughs> I still have a little bit of that COVID brain. I'm figuring it out. Um, round two has really been the sweet spot for receivers over the past like decade or so. We've seen more success out of round two at the receiver spot than we have out of round one. So you can still get a really good guy in that round two spot, especially since we talked about your Christian Watsons. We haven't talked about how good of a week Sky Moore had, That's and Mateo, Mateo just, just got more. Sky Moore test that came in taller than we thought bigger than we thought, ran faster than we thought. And he's got bigger hands than Traylon Burks, who needs four XL gloves, uh, to wear onto the field. Like this is a really deep receiver class and you can get somebody really talented in that second round. What position do
1: hand size actually correlate to mattering?
0: Anybody who touches the ball consistently.
1: Bingo. Wide receivers, quarterbacks in particular, (laughs) uh, It may help with a running back holding on to the ball. Anybody that touches and handles that ball, and and think about it, you know, if you've got a bigger hand, that ball is smaller. It helps. So that is one of those physical traits you actually look for. You don't hear about wide receivers with tiny hands. You may hear about a quarterback with one, but you don't hear about wide receivers with tiny hands. So it's something to pay attention to
0: hmm And those those hands are fantastic. Mateo, I he was a great college player, and I don't disagree with that statement one bit. Um, but we're gonna kind of transition. We're not gonna take wide receiver in round one. So there's really when you kind of take a look at this, there's six guys you can you can debate between Stoss Gardner, Jermaine Johnson, David Ojavo, Trent McDuffie, Andrew Book Jr., and probably Tyler Linderbaum. I love the idea of taking Jordan Davis. The way the roster sits right now is too redundant. We need to see what they're going to do with both uh, Tomlinson and Pierce before we really think about a Jordan Davis here. Um, it, when I look at these guys, I would personally narrow it down to two. Um, Sauce Gardner, David Ojavo. those would be my two picks. Sauce is still a little stiff in the hips, but he's such a tremendous man cover corner, and he showed the requisite athleticism and speed to succeed in the NFL. And he's long over 33-inch arms, 6'3". A little wiry, but that's okay. Um, Jonas, that's an exception to the rule. I, I, Hunter Renfro did have small hands, but you're always going to have that exception. Um, and then Ojabo has the just the sky-high ceiling. I've, I've seen a couple people um, talk about him being higher on their board than Aiden Hutchinson. Hutchinson has a high ceiling, and he has an incredibly low floor. Ojabo, you could argue, has a bigger ceiling than uh, Hutchinson and potentially Kayvon Thibodeau just because of how much of a freak he is and how he's still learning the game. Mm -hmm. So those would be the two guys I would be debating between. I do like Andrew Booth Jr. a lot, but I think with Sauce
2: on the board, I don't think you can really say no to that. Deshaun, where are you leaning? Uh, Just because of the recent work I've done on this free agency class, I actually really like the depth in this free agency class at corner. Hoping the Vikings can capitalize. We'll see what they do with the cap space. I Jermaine Johnson is my guy. I would lean there. I think he's an incredible athlete. I think he actually ends up being the, one of the better edge rushers in this class when it's all said and done. But cannot argue with Sauce Gardner. You just can't. Having a cornerback, either one, having a rush edge rusher or a cornerback on a rookie contract, being like a top-tier player is just a tremendous help to your football team. So really, you can't go wrong with either one. But uh I would probably go corner just because of how decimated our corner room is you really and if we're not able to really bring anybody in at least at, at least at edge we have mm-hmm. something like we have hunter and we have like three guys waiting in the wind to, to see what they can do at corner is cam dancer and that's it well and harrison Hand. so yeah if you can't bring anybody in hey don't in, forget I the I legend chris boyd soft
0: <laughs> and
1: sauce godner is this
0: and,
2: and I, I think that
0: the trade. Vikings, because of how how diverse their needs are, uh, Dave, I don't know if you, you're logged in under me, but that's okay. We don't I, need to do trades. Tonight.
1: I did beforehand. Oh. That, see? Here they oh, come. there it
0: is. All right. Um, the big thing with the Vikings, they can really take whatever they want, whenever they want. Because right. whoever they take, it's pretty much going to be a need. The only position that they don't need is is shockingly offensive tackle. You can argue that they need to take a running back because Alexander Madison is going to be gone after this year. Dalvin Cook may be gone after this year. Tight end only has really one stalwart guy that you can count on to do any kind of production next year. We talked about wide receiver. Edge is decimated. Defensive tackle is iffy, especially with the future of those guys currently on the roster. Linebacker is barren. Corner is barren. Safety has question marks all over the board, especially with the future of Harrison Smith. Whoever and is there, if they're going to take a good player, you can argue that it's a need. All right. This trade
1: offer is from the Sea Chickens. They're offering um, us to move up five picks and give them their fifth. Or give a, our pick at 46 and our fifth round choice. Answer to that is no. Especially when I don't know who's available on the board.
0: Hmm. And that's the tough part. Um,
1: and here we go. Trade down available. Uh, 10 spots and pick up the Dallas Cowboy
0: fifth. Nah. Nah, we're, we're, we're we, we are not Rick Spielman. <laughs> All Steve, right. I, I got to say, I've seen you comment a few times. Every time I see you comment, I think Arizona Cardinals GM Steve Keim is in here. And yeah, I th- yeah. think that's really cool. So we're going to call you Steve Kime from now on. Um, let's take a look at who we got. Jaquan Brisker, safety. Penn State had a really nice week of testing. Christian Harris, athletic freak. Questions about uh, his uh, technical ability and football IQ. Kenneth Walker, we'll, we'll kind of ignore the running back position for now. Sam Howell's an interesting one. DeMarvin Leal also is interesting. Is kind of a tweener. Jalen Petrie, we've talked about ad nauseum on this show especially last week. Mm-hmm. I love Petrie and what he can do. He's a he's a more diverse version of Jamal Adams, where he's not a, an edge rusher. He plays coverage too, uh, and he's good at it. Kyer Elam's there. Tyler Smith is, a, is an offensive tackle that's mean, nasty, and he's a mauler. He's also got requisite at athleticism. A lot of people want to play him at guard because of his mentality and how, just how physical and imposing he is. Uh, so he could be an option at as well. Bernard Raymond, I don't expect to be here, but nerds love him because he's an analytics guy, and but he's also going to be 25 years old in May. That's worrisome for a guy that is still raw as an offensive tackle. So there's a lot of different things. Um, Jonas Howell at 46 could be nice. Um, I don't know how I feel about Howell yet, uh, but he's, he's, just, he's one of these guys that there's just so many questions that you have to answer. And I just – I don't know. Um, Deshaun, when you look at the board, who's jumping out to you right away? Uh,
2: don't man. worry about I, me. I'm looking I think at the I think I'm a little higher on Sam Howell just because I watched that QB school video. And, like, his mechanics are there. Now, I really liked Howell to the Saints with Sean Payton was there. I thought if there was anybody that could fix him, it would be Sean Payton. But I mean if you give how a year behind Kirk Cousins a year in the system with um Kevin O'Connell there might be something there and then he has the extra running ability but I think what I was thinking about with the with the system there the McVay system doesn't really call for any of the extra quarterback stuff it doesn't call for anybody to be like a massive playmaker it just kind of calls for you to be an accurate quarterback which Sam Howell might not be all the time or most of the time. So outside of him, I think I would look linebacker. There's Chad Muma. There's Sky Moore, which we talked about would be solid pick, second-round wide receiver. There's also another linebacker in Christian Harris. That's a tough one. This is a tough one, for real, because if you still if you're keeping Cousins and you're really looking to – get that QB of the future now because next season you're not going to have a shot of it with Kirk Cousins here and improved offensive play we're not going to have a shot at a top tier quarterback so there's that there's linebacker there's wide receiver I think I would probably kind go linebacker continue to yeah, I think I would that, go that's probably at, uh, again. I
0: would I would take Christian Harris I now I would take the risk with the athleticism because the athleticism is phenomenal. Uh, ran a four 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 forty, followed it up with a four four six. He has a lot of room to grow um, from the mental aspect. He can improve his vision, he can improve his technique, his angles. But you can't argue with the athlete, and we need guys who can run in space. Uh, and that, that this is somebody I would want to take a risk on. And in the second round, a guy who's who seemed primed to be a top 15, top 20 pick going into the year, he did not have the greatest year for Alabama. Alabama guys translate, especially the hyper-athlete ones. I think this this would be a, a great route to go, and you're going to feel a tremendous need. Uh, he can learn from Eric Hendricks for a year before really taking over. Uh, Dan Watson won a couple picks earlier to the Falcons, so unfortunately we were not able to get him in this simulation. I would not be opposed to doubling up on corner with Elam, but I'm kind of in in the area where I would probably go Christian Harris. Um, Mateo, I think Clark is a very good player. I also don't necessarily think that he would be a great value here. I mean, if you don't go linebacker here, you wait till round three, then you can take that guy and feel really comfortable about it. Um, he showed a lot at the Senior Bowl with his intelligence, his athleticism, Um, so he's going to be a very good player.
2: Deshaun, what do you think about Christian Harris? So I definitely like the, the athleticism part of it. It's it it depends what the assignment or what this defense, the whole five, two thing, how they play their linebackers and how they value their safeties a little bit more. (sighs) Jalen Petrie might be the move here just because he can play at all three levels of the defense and play early and play often. Really, I don't think you can go wrong with either one, Harris or Petrie. Also, Muma, just because he's incredibly intelligent. I love the way he plays the game. Reminds me a lot of his former teammate, Logan Wilson, who was just with the Bengals that won the Super Bowl. Don't think you can go wrong with either one of those three. One of those three guys would be my pick for sure.
0: I'm with you on Petrie. Let's do it. Jalen Petrie, newest Minnesota Viking in this simulation. About six down, Dave.
1: My, there's my favorite out of that bunch. <laughs> Christian uh, Harris? Yeah, linebacker. If not, really, there's the guy that got my heart running. But, all right, we'll go with the safety.
0: The big issue for me with Leal is he is best on the interior, but he's too small to really be a full-time interior guy, unless you think he's going to become Aaron Donald. I don't too think he's
1: small? Aaron Donald. Was
0: it? Leo, the, yeah, If you wanted, if you wanted to play full time on the interior, he, he was is, he's six like five six, six four six. two eighty five. They he had him listed four, at three
1: over three hundred. I may be thinking of the guard. The guard that was on there is the one I was talking.
0: Oh, about. you're talking Kenyon Green, the other the other Am uh, player. Yeah, yeah. All right. I was thinking Leo, the defensive guy All right. So we have um, my son, Carson Strong, at the top of the board. That's, that's an easy selection. We can just go home now. But so when you look <laughs> at everybody else available, um, we did not take linebackers, so Leo Chanel is an option. Brian Osamo is an athletic guy from Oklahoma. Darian Beavers from Cincinnati is, isn't bad either. Arnold Abichetti tested out of his mind. Um, Drake Jackson is an interesting guy as well. Um, Jalen Weidermeyer, if you want to go tight end. Channing Tisdall will probably not be here. He's probably going to go top 40 with his projection and his just insane athleticism. A lot of really good players here. Um, Jeremy Ruckert, who I've talked about ad nauseum on the show and how well he's performed uh, during the process. When I take a look at this group, I, I'd be hard pressed not to take an edge rusher right now. And I would probably go Drake Jackson who bulked up with a lot of really good weight and still, uh, looks to be as explosive as he was at um, USC. We're going to see more from him at his pro day. Uh, he he is not as lean as he was um, as far as what his playing weight was last year. So those numbers are really going to mean something because he put on 15 pounds of muscle. Like good, solid weight. Um, but uh, as Jonas mentioned, Carson Strong is available. And Carson Strong is one of my favorite prospects in this draft. I absolutely love him. I don't care if he's a pocket passer. He's kind of stationary. He is mobile, similar to how Dan Marino was mobile, and he can slide away from pressure. That's good enough for me. Um, looks like we lost to Sean here, Dave. But as, as you're kind of looking at some of these guys. I'm looking uh, at some of like?
1: these guys and checking out. Um, I'm okay with strong. If, if that's... <clears throat> It's a shot. We need to get a shot to find that quarterback. No matter who it is, we need that shot. And the only one right here in the third round would be Carson Strong. He would compete, obviously, with uh, Mond to see how well they do. And probably, if we're at this point, Kirk Cousins is still probably our quarterback for at least this season. We'll find out about Kirk Cousins. We have, it's March 16th is the start of the new league year. I shouldn't say we'll find out. We'll find out. The quarterback carousel, will start by then. It's all going to start with Aaron Rodgers. Then it's going to start rolling. Russell Wilson, um, other big-name quarterbacks, if they start moving everywhere, that changes draft needs for folks. Kirk Cousins obviously could be one of those that moves, and that can – that could wait all the way up into the draft. So mm-hmm. we don't know. If you want to take Carson Strong right here, I have no
0: objections. Let's do it. Let's take Carson Strong. Um, one thing that's really interesting about Strong, Dave, that came out at the combine, he's finding more velocity in his throwing motion because he's finally able to use his base. He completed 70% of his passes through over 30 touchdowns, and 41 touchdowns, I believe, and completed 70% of his passes. Based,
1: based on, we're fading in, I don't know if it's my internet or yours. Could be mine. And there's Deshaun, oh.
0: No, I'm back. I, okay. I got I got booted. It was weird. Um That could so, be the Russians.
1: We'll blame it on the Russians.
0: Yeah, it's the Russians' fault. Um so uh he's discovering uh more power in his throwing motion because he basically threw for four thousand yards at seventy percent completion and forty plus touchdowns with his arm. Not using a base, just using his arm. That's well, didn't that, he have an injury?
1: Was, it was one of the quarterbacks yeah, I was he, hearing with had an injury and now that that's healed, they're learning to drive off. I don't remember if it's right leg, left leg. Learning to drive more. It was more, right leg, and it was Carson more. Strong. Okay, and they're getting yep better because of it, and that that's a good thing. Could deal with that, and that may be if this actually happened, That may be the steal of the draft right there.
0: Hmm. Um. I don't care that he's not a runner. I mm-hmm. think he would be just fine being a pocket passer because of his ability to avoid rushers and his ability to be to able sense to move pressure. Left and yeah. right. All. Watch Dan Marino was, was a Yeah. Dan Marino was the seventh most mobile quarterback on those NFL top ten lists because of how well he maneuvered in the pocket. You don't have to be a runner to be mobile. And that's what Carson Strong brings to the table. The greatest of all time, Tom Brady was that way. The yep. greatest before that. You just get
1: was that way.
0: Yep. You get good at it and you maneuver in the pocket. Brett Favre was a master at it for how, for two decades. Mm-hmm. Like You don't have to be a runner to be mobile. And I think Carson Strong and the, the two defenders we got in this class to really beef up that secondary. Oh, Steve baby. Steve is right this on is this. A really, this is a, a really, really exciting draft. Steve, you're right. But here's the weird thing that I kind of discovered as I was uh, going through some research. Quarterbacks don't get injured when running the football. They get injured in the pocket. So really? you're actually more likely to get injured as a true pocket passer than you are as a running quarterback, which I found very interesting, but that's that's the data right now. Runners can control their narrative most of the time when it comes to getting hit. They can run out of bounds. They can slide. When you're in the pocket, they you're Kirk Cousins and you just step lap. and hit. You're getting hit, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's a really interesting thing. But Dave, it's been a really good show. Um, we we got a lot of really good discussion. We're gonna be back next week, but throughout the rest of the week, I know we've got a really nice lineup. What do we have going on?
1: Um, what we have going on is tomorrow night we have in the huddle again. That's two weeks in a row. People celebrate, woohoo! The guys, Miles and. Jason will be here talking stuff. We may have some guests we don't know. I know Nick Olson. This is a personal plea. You've got your new microphone. Come join us. Eric Eager, the great doctor, if you can find the time, please come join us. It should be a great show. Wednesday. Wednesday, of course, we have Vikings Happy Hour. Should be on this week. I think it's Ben Gessling because he had... Jerry Duty last week had had to move. Um, I think he's going to be on this week. Speaking of Vikings happy hour, we have with our partner, Lake Monster, a current giveaway going. Right now, if you find this tweet, CTP giveaway, and you should see it from anybody of the CTP Climate of Pocket personalities have retweeted it. It's on there. You can find it. If all you have to do is follow Climb in the Pocket, follow Lake Monster Brewing, right, at Lake Monster Brew. I know I misspelled it a couple times on the last two shows. I apologize for that. That is the correct way to do it. Enter by noon on Wednesday, and you have a chance to win this cool hat, which I could use, right, right? And that mini sign that would go great right back here, right? I can't get it because I'm part of the you know the program, but it would go great right back here. And it would go fantastic in your man cave or lady cave. Don't want to let out the women. I know there are some women that absolutely love Vikings football and good beer. But best off about Lake Monster Brewing is the beer. Those guys are outstanding. All my friends up in Minneapolis are telling me, "Dave, it's it's great." And they're listing off different types, whether it be uh, depth charge or you know, I love the IPAs, I love stouts. They do all the traditional beers, uh, wheat beers, uh, just you know, loggers stuff. They've got it all. But all you've got to do here is just follow climbing the pocket, follow Lake Brew. And then retransmit the post, and you are entered. And that's even before we talk about like, subscribe, and ring the bell for the shows. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Thursday. That's Wednesday. Thursday, I don't know if we have a show. Flip and Eric haven't contacted me yet this week. I I don't know. But guaranteed Saturday? Darren and I will continue with two old bloggers. We are on to our next position group. I think we have two left, uh, one more in the offense, and then special teams. And then whatever comes up in between, we'll find three themes that are relevant to talk about in depth.
0: Perfect. Well, Dave, great show. Thank you for uh, guiding us here this week. From Deshaun who unfortunately experienced a power outage and wasn't able to finish out from Dave and myself. Enjoy the last week of somewhat normalcy in the NFL because come Monday is the legal tampering period. It's going to be a really, really big time and a lot is going to change for the Minnesota Vikings. Until then, Skull Vikings, drink some Lake Monster.
1: Absolutely, and turn in your Mondays purple. Skull Climbing the Pocket, thanks you for watching. Remember to like, subscribe, ring the bell, and if you're listening, rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull!